welcome to episode 124 of Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host, Mark Hamer, and joining me tonight is Nick. Hello. Hey, Nick, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you? Good. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not good. too bad. Uh, we're also joined by a colossal c- from the excellent Kane and Rinse podcast, Carl Moon. Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks. How are you? I am spectacular. All the better for being on this podcast. It's about time you f- invited me. It's been 124 episodes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, I, I, I okay. Me and Carl go back a long way, at least several years. Um, we, I don't know whether did I start chatting to you through the Canaan Rinse um, forums or through probably maybe through a mutual friend on Twitter. I can't remember. We started playing Destiny together when mm. that first came out, and we did that pretty much every night for like six months or so until yeah. Carl decided he was too good for Destiny and stopped playing it. Um, and we've played stuff together intermittently on and off since then. And I spent several years badgering him to do an episode of Kane and Rinse on any of the games from the Legacy of Kane series. And he kept telling me to f*** off, um, to f*** off and die. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that wasn't just because you were asking for a Legacy of Kane game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then eventually he did one. Uh, he did an episode on Soul Reaver and, and invited me on with people who were far more intelligent, far more erudite than I am. So, yeah, I thought I'd let you wait a little while before inviting you on. And it's absolutely nothing to do with the fact that we just had an empty slot on today's episode and you were the I'm first sure, person who yeah. said yes. <laughs> I'm sure. You're always at the front of my mind, Carl. Video games. Carl, as you the guest, you can go first. Yeah. You've been playing. A video game. Um, it has been known. Um, like mm-hmm. like most people, I've been playing some Apex Legends. Yeah. Like you and 59, no, 49,999,999 other people. Yes. But I feel like I'm the only one that's been honest and saying that it's not actually that great. <laughs> so... Oh, okay. We will have words. I've also been playing Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Um, mm-hmm. primarily blackout um, yeah. tiny little bit of zombies a little smidge of zombies and some multiplayer um, but a lot of that is to do with the latest updates so I've been playing blackout um, I've been playing what's the um, the new thing in uh, blops for so it's operation grand heist um, where yeah. they've gone and made some pretty big changes to the game that's upset a lot of people with loot boxes even highlighting uh, costumes that are made of money or have animated money on them um, right. yeah I mean I think they know what they're doing uh, yeah. they also had an alternate blackout mode with police cars like American style police cars and police choppers and sirens going off and it's all a little bit manic, a few new locations, but I mean, the crazy part is if you mm-hmm. win a game of the new Grand Heist, it doesn't actually count as a win, like standard blackout mode, which is a little bit right. bizarre. Um, I've also been playing some Resident Evil 2 Remake. I've actually been playing quite a bit of that. I'm just on my third playthrough now, um, literally right before mm-hmm. this podcast recording I was on it. Um, I've been playing some <laughs> Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus. Uh, we've got that up and coming for Kane and Rince, um, so we're recording an episode on that uh, a couple of weeks from this recording. Um, and the last thing that I've been playing recently is uh, Yoshi's Crafted World demo, which I absolutely hammered and went through twice yesterday. It's really good. Uh, I played quite a lot of Yoshi's Woolly World on the uh, Wii U and really enjoyed it. This feels more like a bit more of a... 
Uh, an evolution on that, a little bit more of an intricate sort of. Well, it's 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 in three dimensions now. Yes, kind of. Kind of. Well, it's like three point or two point five. I don't know how you describe it, but um, yeah, you can move into the foreground and into the background. Uh, Play levels back to front as well. Yeah, it's really nice and like it kind of it looks a little bit like um, well, it looks. It, it, it's it's got the same sort of aesthetic as Yoshi's Woolly World, but the way that everything's like crafted makes it look a little bit like tear away. Yes, uh, which is an aesthetic I really like. It is beautiful. I find it a lot more charming visually than I did Woolly World. I find it charming in the same way that I found Epic Yarn, um, just really visually stunning. Um, kind mm. of that art over tech style that a lot of Nintendo games have. Uh, it's, yes. it's just you know. It, it, it does look really good. Like there's, there's no denying it. Um, but there's kind mm. of a lot of craft and a lot of real uh, artistic talent that have worked on that game that kind of mask the lack of power that the Switch has, so that it kind of looks like it could belong on another system. It really is really well done. Yeah, Nintendo are really good at doing that in a way that no other, well, no, no, very, very few of yeah. the third-party developers at least can manage to do. Like, I tried the uh, Trials Rising beta on the Switch. And aside from the problems that you've got digital triggers, uh, so there's, like, no finesse in acceleration and braking, yeah. which is kind of key to playing yeah. that game, um, it just looks awful, like, really bad. Like, uh, it, it, it looks like basically you're playing in a permanent sandstorm because they can't actually, like, fill in any of the backgrounds because there's... I guess it's not enough processing power. They just didn't optimize it properly for the Switch, but it, it looks really, really bad. Yeah. Um, whereas any first-party Nintendo game will look absolutely stunning and more often than not run at 60 as well. It is a concern um, that Ubisoft wants more uh, have released a game to the Switch that doesn't feel like it's optimized in any way for that format. Um, you know, it, it, it's not well, in the same um, manner as uh, the Wii U where third parties obviously... Uh, really ran away from it uh, it is still getting the support but to see something like trials rising which you know we don't mm. know the ins and outs but it's not tech heavy in the same way that the division is tech heavy if you know what i mean so to to mm. see that it's actually quite poor performing on the switch that's not a problem with the switch that's a problem with the optimization yeah but they got um uh starlink running great on the yeah. switch I guess the problem with Trials is it's very CPU heavy with all the physics rather than GPU That's heavy, it. which is obviously the Switch mm. is pretty much a mobile CPU. Um, so any anything they're going to put on that requires a lot of physics power, it's going to do badly, which is why, for example, you see bad performance with a game like Trials, but not so much with Starlink. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's mm. kind of the reason that you have something um, like Resogun uh, or next Machina on the PS4 perform really well because it's a really uh, technically clever CPU that they've got in that console. But yeah. then you see, mm. you know, quite simplistic uh, physics games on other things that on other formats, regardless of what they are. You know, we still see it, even certain games on the Xbox One X because they're unoptimized, um, and Xbox One X can kind of brute force stuff. PS4 Pro can kind of do it, but we're seeing the problems with kind of mainline Switch. Xbox One and PS4 now, um, where if something isn't that optimized, it really does show. Uh, it really shows quite quickly. Yeah, but um, Yoshi's Crafted World looks 
really really nice when when is it out it's out pretty soon isn't it's it it's 29th of march i believe from the top of my head i have to keep an eye out for that one because uh, i really enjoyed the demo yeah just another game i want in march <laughs> without giving away too much for your upcoming episode what what do you think of wolfenstein 2 um okay so i was a huge fan of the new order um mm-hmm. i believe it was my personal game of the year that year um, which yeah. you know was was no mean mean feat. Um, it was incredibly well done uh, by Machine Games. You know, it was their first game, and they kind of crafted this incredible world—a story that was much better than a game like Wolfenstein really deserved. And mm-hmm. I didn't get on with the old blood that much because of a opening stealth section. So I was a little bit on the fence when I came to the New Colossus because obviously it's a talented team, great story. It's a continuation from the New Order rather than the prequel. Um, and, you know, I originally played it over a year ago on my stock PS4 and that console really, really, really struggled. Um, and it, it yeah. got super, super loud um, to the point that I had to actually stop playing it on my PS4 because I couldn't hear the TV uh, over the game. Mm. Um, and I didn't have some you know, quality enough headphones to be able to cut that out. So I waited, I got an Xbox One X for Christmas, and I've actually started up again on that. And now I can actually feel like I can play the game. Um, I'm... Mm-hmm only just over halfway through from my understanding of it um i don't feel like it has the story beats and quality that the new order had but i do feel like that combat quality is still there and it still gives the option albeit less options to stealth but you know there are still sections um and some of the you know the physics effects are really quite beautiful in that game and again i think that's one of the reasons why um, it's a little bit difficult. I also, I should add, tried to play this. Uh, I was gifted it by uh, Josh on the team uh, of Ken Rince on the PC, and I got through the first three levels, and then all of a sudden my PC was starting to overheat, so uh, it's kind of <laughs> third time lucky. So I've gone through a PC, a PS4, and now I'm on Xbox One X, uh, trying to actually mm. get through the new Colossus. Um, thankfully, everything's going well at the moment, and I I, I would say I am enjoying it, um, but not it to the same degree that I did the new order. Uh, I am playing it on the hardest difficulty that isn't mine Lieben. Um so mm-hmm. and and that has to be honest, it's not been that bad by one moment so far. Um at the top of a radio tower where I'm recruiting someone. Uh that battle was surprisingly difficult. Like for anyone that hasn't played it, I'm determined not to give away spoilers for it. Um so yeah it it's I definitely recommend it from the amount that i've played so far and i am looking forward well i'm gonna have to uh, play it a lot more but obviously i've been quite caught up in resident evil 2 so uh, how far beyond the radio tower bit have you gotten Uh, i'm just entering the bottom deck of the submarine right okay don't worry about the story then because like the back half of that game some wild shit happens like it goes some places that's like really crazy and really entertaining and like like uh, there's a few points i had to put the control in and i'm like the fuck did that actually just happen yeah um it, i mean it really starts that way in fairness there's a there's a shocking start to a you know a, a great character oh from, God, the, yeah. the, from the uh, new order that mm. 
was a, a bold storytelling decision, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I too played it through on uh, Xbox One X. I played through um, the New Order on um, PS4 Pro originally, and it was, you know, it yes. was fine on that. Like, uh, it didn't spin up the fan too much, and it looked pretty nice. Uh, but uh, the new Colossus on Xbox One X looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, and there's some really, it really, does, yeah. like, quite stunning environments that you go to in that game as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hear what you think uh, after you've played the other half because, yeah, the second half yeah. has some mental shit going it's, on. Yeah, it'll be it's a good panel uh, talking about that show as well. So there'll be a really good, uh, really good discussion on our show about the, the new Colossus. It's one of the episodes this season that I'm really looking forward to recording. Good, good. Um, Resident Evil Two, does it live up to the original? I prefer it to the, um, to the original version. Obviously, uh, yes. it, it controls better because it's not tank controls and fixed camera nonsense. But yeah, I, I, to be honest, Resident Evil One remake did have the tank controls, and I also think that that is better than the original Resident Evil. Um, mm-hmm. For me, Resident Evil Two remake comfortably sits in the best three Resident Evil games. Um, that order can change day to day, which speaks volumes for the quality of uh, Resident Evil Two. Um, mm-hmm. I have done the playthrough as Claire, then I did a playthrough as Leon. Um, there was a little bit of a delay in there. I got caught up playing stuff like Apex and Blackout. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I went back to the game after about a month, uh, finished it off. Um, which, I mean, the, the game's not been out much longer than that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as I finished Leon's playthrough, straight back to the start menu, went back in as Claire, and this isn't even the second play. So there is actually options in the main menu for a second play mm-hmm. as well. So there's technically four playthroughs to play by default. Um, then there is all the time-based unlocks for ultimate ammos and um, all the uh, documents in the game, all the weapons for each character. I mean, there is a lot of content yeah. in this game, mm-hmm. and it is absolutely beautiful to mm-hmm. look at. Um, I don't do particularly well at uh, survival horror games, but... I did. I played through uh, the first uh, the first four Resident Evil games and loved them. I, I I still love Resident Evil Nemesis. I think that game was good. Like I know a lot of people don't like it, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. But uh, I haven't got around to playing this one yet because I don't know. Um, now I'm growing up. I'm a, I'm a bit of a wimp. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not. But. Um, it does look very nice, at least. Have you not played any of it, or did you just play the one-shot demo? No, I didn't play that either. You've got, you've got to try it. I can genuinely recommend it. Um, it uh, Like the remake before it, mm-hmm. um, the 2002 remake of Resident Evil, it tweaks it just enough that certain areas feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the item drops uh, vary between the characters ever so um, slightly and again on the second plays that's the case they've just released some free content for a, another mode that I've not quite played yet mm-hmm. um, I there are a couple of moments where the the quality isn't so stellar is what I would say I don't ever think that that's a bad thing in a game because it really highlights the quality of the peaks mm-hmm. um, just as, as long as it doesn't get to an unbearably poor section which you know some games are ruined by um, certain elements, uh, boss fights particularly would be an example. Mm-hmm. Um, Resident Evil 2 Remake does have a little bit of an issue, in my opinion, with um, getting around enemies. It's not that easy to run away from enemies. Uh, Resident Evil 1 Remake did a better job. Um, 
but some of the some some of the action um, is just stunning to be a part of. The animations of the of the zombies are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they turn towards you, the way the double lunge, um, yeah, it's it's really engrossing in a way that a survival horror game hasn't been in a long time. Mm. Um, the shooting feels great. Um, I love the story. It, I really, really, really recommend Resident Evil 2 Remake. Okay, I'll, I'll give the one-shot demo a try and then see. If I can last through that, then maybe I can last through the full game, but we'll see. Yeah, you can't. It's n- genuinely, it's not It's not on the same level as something like Outlast or um, yeah. something of that ilk. Those are the ones I usually struggle with, is, is the first-person horror games. Like I've tried to play Outlast, i tried to play Soma, um, and yeah, it hasn't, hasn't usually doesn't go very well. Uh, Alien Isolation yeah. as well, just scared the shit out of me. You know, I think a lot of it is the uh, field of view that you get in those games. The idea that you've got such a, a small mm-hmm. uh, view in front of you, and you've kind of got that, you know, two hundred and seventy degrees around you that you've got no feeling for. Yeah. And the fact that Resident Evil Two sort of steps that back third person, you get a bit more perspective. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong; there'll still be moments where something gets you from behind or from the ceiling, etc. Yeah. Um, but of those moments, there are very few that are completely unexpected. Like if you look hard enough, you'll see them coming kind of thing. Mm. It's, um, it is really well crafted and it does blend that line between horror and action really, really well. Nice. Uh, Nick. Hello. You've been playing uh, a video game that I really, really liked. I have. Yes. I I remember you talking about it and that's what, uh, kind of inspired me to, to, uh, get it. Uh, that is Donut County. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't really sure what to expect, to be honest, when I went into it. I knew it was about um, a donut shop, I guess, uh, and holes. So it intrigued me enough to uh, to, to buy it. And um, I was I was I was in two minds about it, if I'm honest, because it's an incredibly short game, uh, mm-hmm. which is it, it's not a bad thing necessarily. But essentially, the premise is you deploy holes around a, a town, um, and you essentially just swallow the entire town, or, and you go around levels, um, just making the hole bigger and get bigger by sucking different things into it. It's like a reverse catamaran. It is, yeah, exactly. Um, and the other thing it kind of remind well, it didn't remind me of as such, but. I thought this is very much what sort of the untitled goose game is going to be like. It's just sort of uh, little stages mm. where in very bite-sized chunks where you're going to go around and do stupid things, really, I suppose. But some of the puzzles you have to do, uh, for example, you can swallow um, you can swallow levers and things or ropes that can pull on levers so that you can get other things to swallow. It, it, there's little pull puzzle elements in there as well. To kind of break up just the mm. monotony, I suppose, of swallowing things and mo- moving around swallowing things. But what really mm. made it was the story and what the dialogue around it, um, and and when you uh, swallow different new items, you get a little indication. Uh, you get a little uh, description, I suppose, of what though of of those items. And it really was yeah the the trashopedia uh, the trashopedia that was it yeah. And it really is that that kind of made it a very a decent good game for me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like I say, it was a very short game. I finished it in a ho- in a day, well, less than a day, obviously. But um, I started it before work, and I finished it probably an hour after work. It was it was quite short and sweet, but it it was a good game. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's, uh, I think, isn't this the one that started out as a um, a tweet by uh, Peter Molyneux? Yeah, I believe so. I think so. it was. It was like, you know, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Peter Molyneux is, is it uh, Adam Capone who runs that? Yes. Yeah, it's it's like, um, it's a, it started, it's just a parody of, Peter Molyneux's like sort of like blue sky crazy ideas thinking that he used to come up with when when he was working at, at Bullfrog and Lionhead where he'd say like oh why don't we put this crazy thing in the game and it would never make it into the game or if it did it wouldn't work but it was just like wild shit that no one else was thinking of because everybody else knew that it wasn't possible and so the Peter Molyneux account just comes all like you know what if the game was you know and he'd come up with something ridiculous it's always pretty funny and um yeah, it was it was one of his tweets that inspired Donut County because yeah, you basically just yeah. move a hole around, swallowing stuff up to make the hole grow bigger, so you can swallow up bigger stuff. <laughs> um, which is a really dumb concept, but it's done the, so the, well. The tweet, the tweet was actually from January fifth, two thousand and twelve, and he said, "You play a hole, you must move around an environment, making certain elements fall into correct targets at the right time." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so it's, it's such a weird genesis for a for for a, for a game, but um, yeah, it's it's the, the the game's quite simple. The puzzles aren't particularly taxing, uh, and it is very short. But the writing is is fantastic. Like all of the characters, like BK Raccoon and and Myra, the sort of uh, the the human his human co worker, and then all the other members of the town. I love the little cutscenes uh, you get in between the levels where it's set in the future like after all the levels where the entire town's been swallowed and everyone's just living in a hole in the ground and they're all bickering and and shouting at bk and bk doesn't understand why everyone's angry at him for destroying the town and um yeah the writing's hilarious and the the trashopedia thing like every item that you suck up in the level uh, at the end of the level you can flick through and it's like a really funny sort of um explanation as to what the the item is written from BK's perspective and yeah it's a really really clever little game um it's on everything i think it's pretty much on every platform yeah pretty much it's it's on android ios playstation switch you can if you've got it it'll run on it <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah and and it's well worth it like uh can't remember how i paid for it like i don't know it was less than a fiver yeah. um and it was it was well worth the money uh what else have you been playing uh mainly my time has been taken up with uh wargroove uh, on the Switch, mm. which is, uh, if anyone played Advance Wars on the Game Boy back in the day, it's kind of a spiritual successor, I suppose, to, to it. Um, so it's mm-hmm. a top-down uh, turn-based strategy game where you have units and move around and you essentially defeat the other team. If you've ever played an Advance Wars game, it will be instantly familiar to you as it it, it very much is. It takes the concept of Advance Wars and just evolves on it ever so slightly to make it its uh, its own game. Um, but mm-hmm. it's been a long time since we had an Advance Wars game and it's just really nice to be, to have it back in your hands. It really feels... I know I go on about the Switch all the time, <laughs> but it really feels like <laughs> all the games you used to play, there's something coming out for the Switch which pretty much matches exactly what that game was and it betters it in most cases um and mm. it, it's just a delight that nintendo's finally got it right again after so after so many years 
of struggling, they've finally hit on a perfect um, console again, I suppose. And and the fact that it's portable means you're getting all these great um, small, not smaller as such, but it's like you were saying early, earlier about Yoshi's Woolly World. It's not so much that mm-hmm. they're toning things down, they're just making it fit to the Switch in graphical style and that also sometimes means gameplay style yeah i mean it feels like they've kind of like opened up the platform a little bit um but not in the way that like the wii was where it just ended up getting full of shovelware um like they've opened it up i I don't know whether it's a particularly easy platform to develop for i guess it must be it's just a tegra chip so i guess you know, it can't be like people already know how to program f- for that processor. So, um, from what I can tell, they've also done a good job with integrating with, for example, Unity and stuff. So, developers that have already got a game in Unity, they can just literally retarget it to the new platform and it's done because Unity obviously works on Android. So, Android is the Switch essentially. Whereas the Wii U, WiiWare stuff was. Uh, a lot more bespoke you had to do a lot of work behind the scenes to get your game working with it and they've really been going out and courting indies and embracing them and and showcasing those games in the in their directs uh quite a lot and um it's good it's great it's 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 kind of uh well it's replaced for me the the vita as like the go-to system to play a lot of these uh indie games on before it was it was always the vita like uh that was the machine that would play Oli Oli and Hotline Miami and games like that on, uh, rather than any other platform. And now it's the Switch. Um, Oli Oli uh, one and two have just come out on the Switch as well. By the way, yes, they have. Go out, go out and buy them. They're they're really good games. Better than Skate. Um, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Wargroove uh, looks really really cool. It's uh, Chucklefish. Um, I believe. It is, yes. Uh, I think it was on show at EGX. I think, um, along with um, a few other games. I didn't actually get to play that one. I played uh, uh, another game they've got coming out uh, that they're publishing from a Chinese developer. It's a game called uh, Eastwood. It's like a very nineties um, action RPG, action JRPG sort of game. Um, that looks really good. Uh, and there's like a horror-themed platformer. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I think it's called Inmost. Um, it's coming out on the Switch as well. Um, but yeah, I've heard that Wargroove can be um, unfairly difficult in places. Have you come across that? Yeah. So the the main thing is divided into acts, which are essentially, essentially chapters. Uh, and there's probably three or four levels in each chapter. The first chapter pretty much acts as a tutorial, so you're getting used to all your different units and the way turns work and things like that. As soon as you get out of the first act and into act two, the difficulty spike it really ramps up, and I spent about five hours bashing my head against the act two, mission one, uh, before I finally got it right. Uh, and it, it really just is about learning the way the game works and where you should position your troops and not to sacrifice troops just for for example uh if you send an infantry to uh kill off one unit if they're surrounded by two or three others they're going to get wiped out on the next turn so you really mm-hmm. do have you have to watch where you're positioning your troops and it it's very very difficult at times um but i think i've pretty much got my head around it now uh and i've 
touch wood, I've not uh, been defeated in a while, and I'm I'm pretty much halfway through the campaign now. Um, but the difficulty spike is very real. Have you played any of the multiplayer? I haven't. No, I'm very okay. much a single player Switch man. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, I don't know if you have need to have a Nintendo Online to play that at all, but I'm, I'm guessing you do. Uh, I don't actually know. Um, I haven't even bought it for Tetris 99. Oh man, you're missing <laughs> out. It's the second best battle royale game out there. Ooh, topical. <laughs> you playing anything else? One more that I've only thrown in for the sake of completeness is uh, Uno on the Switch, um, which I entirely <laughs> got for uh, me and my other half to play together because she really enjoyed Uno back in the day on the 360 Xbox Arcade. Um, and essentially, uh, it, it was my birthday last week, so for the weekend we went uh, out uh, drinking on Saturday. Um, and on the train there and back, we did nothing but play Uno, and it was just quite a fun time, really, re-remembering how it works. And it, it's a very simple game, um, and it's not changed since the olden days but it's still a very fun game to play with friends and family was the one on the 360 the one that would work with the connect camera it was yes was that the one yeah i heard some really messed up <laughs> stories about uh, things people saw yeah. like chat roulette sort of messed up stuff that people saw on playing uno pretty much yeah um, um yeah yeah it was the forerunner of omega <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know how to play Uno. I'm gonna. Well, the first thing you do is you set a camera up. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you pull your pants down. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. See, I, I got that. That's that's about as far as I got. I, I like, yeah, like, yeah. I got that far. Um, rub your nipples a little bit and like lounge across the sofa. But it's when you get to the actual um, card playing stuff, like I, I, I the actual meat the actual of it. meat of it. Um, <laughs> fucking dirty. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't actually know how to play it. I, 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 someone tried to teach me one year, uh, like, uh, one, uh, like a New Year's Eve party, uh, a house party, like when lots of, most people have started to go to bed and I was an absolute wreck. Like someone was like, let's play some Uno. And they tried to teach me it. Uh, I don't know how to play. It's, to be honest, it's, I feel it's like a failure. one of the most simple card games you could, you could ever play. Oh, great, yeah, it made me feel it's better. too simple for Mark. <laughs> the good thing about the Switch, or any version that's computerised, is it doesn't let you play invalid things, so you can tell whether you can play something just because it'll say play. The thing I've always found, though, like, whenever I see people playing, you know, is everybody seems to have a different, like, rule set. Everyone's got their own, type, like, rules, like, no, no, we play this way, we play... Like, no, I don't understand it. I mean, for a game called Uno, you would expect a unified set of rules, Yeah, you right? think so, yeah. But no, everybody's got their own set of rules. It's like Monopoly. Everyone's got different Monopoly rules, and no one plays it properly. And no one finishes right. a game. Right, because it usually ends in a fist fight. Shall I talk about my games? Or have you got anything else to say, Nick? No, that that is all I've been playing. Uh, so, over to you. Do you get naked when you play Uno, regardless of whether there's a camera over there or not? Uh, I just, didn't... Just for nostalgia's sake. We were on the train, so uh, I think I'd have been arrested. Well, you know... Yeah, but you live up north, so <laughs> that's true. He'd have only had a stern yeah. look. I've been to enough. Uh, I've been. I've been to St James's Park enough times to see that the cold of the north will not dissuade men from getting their tops off. It does not. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, what I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing a bit of Astroneer. Uh, I saw uh, in the last couple of days um, Danny O'Dwyer's uh, no clip thing. Uh, documentary series. I uploaded an episode about the troubled 
uh, development of the game. I knew nothing about the development of the game at all. I, I hadn't heard anything about it until um, about a month ago when I saw, I think it was Giant Bomb doing a quick look of it. I was like, oh, that looks really neat. I'm going to check it out. Um, Astroneer is kind of like kind of like No Man's Sky, but without the, you know, planets, like space exploration, planet jumping stuff. Um, you kind of... You, uh, a little, you're in a little pod and it'll land on a planet and you have like uh, some very basic equipment and then you basically have to build up all the stuff that you would need to survive on the planet and then build a rocket so that you can take off and then jump to the next planet. Um, not flying around, you kind of just like pick a landing point and then you just end up there and then start all over again. And you get each planet has like different materials and whatnot, uh, but it's like it's a really really neat. It's it's way more in depth than any of the like planet building stuff in No Man's Sky was at least last time I played it. Um, you've got to actually power all of the the modules that you build, uh, and so obviously like you have like solar panels, but they won't work at night, and you've got um, uh, wind turbines, but they won't work when the wind's not there. Um, and you have a very finite uh, amount of air supply in your suit. So you need to build, like, when you go off exploring, you need to take, like, bundles of tethers so that you can put down, like, a like a guide rope, almost, of uh, oxygen supply wherever you go, um, because otherwise you'll end up suffocating, which I did many times when I fell down a hole uh, and then died, and then everything <laughs> that you're carrying you lose, and you have to go and find your corpse to collect everything um it's, it's really neat it's like um you go out and um research the research your surroundings and then you can spend your the currency that you earn through researching to unlock blueprints to build more modules um you need uh, the right sort of 3d printer to be able to print the modules and then those modules will need to be like plonked down on the correct sort of platform and then they'll need to be attached to a power supply and so on then you can build like um like rovers and things like that to move around and they're all modular so you build like different a different base and then a different like cockpit bit and then uh you can build whatever sort of tech that you want to go on the back of it whether that's like a power supply or like a storage unit so that you can bring more stuff back when you go out exploring and it's just it's really really relaxing I, i've talked quite a lot about how uh, on the show about how like i like sort of weird games where like like mud runner like where uh, you you know you're basically just like transporting logs from one point to another but it's very systems heavy and you're balancing a whole lot of like like uh, you know uh locking your differentials and activating deactivating the four-wheel drive and low racial gearboxes and stuff like that and i just kind of like i find that shit really relaxing and i don't know why um same with farming simulator i find that game really really relaxing uh, and Astroneer is the same. Um, it's a, it's a lot more about like exploration and survival, uh, and um, learning how to craft new technology than something like uh, a farming simulator is. But it's it I don't know if it fills a, it scratches a similar sort of itch as those games do for me. Um, and it's I'm kind of enjoying it more than I ever did with No Man's Sky. Um, not that no, I think No Man's Sky is a bad game in any way. It's just I I never really the survival uh, elements and then like the base building stuff of that game never felt really complete um, in a way that Astroneer 
totally does for me. Like, it's been a really, really pleasant surprise. And it's currently 20 quid, I think, um, on Xbox One. I don't know if it's out on... It's out on, out on PC as well. I don't know if it's out on PS4. I presume it will come to PS4 at some point. I think they they have some exclusivity agreement with Microsoft that was touched on in the NoClip documentary. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming yeah. after... It- it did go in the preview program, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing after six months, a year, it'll come out. Yeah. Um, if yeah, but if you like that sort of game, like it's it's well worth checking out. Um, I have no encountered some um, technical issues, even playing on an Xbox One X. Like uh, after a while, like when I was off on like a long trek and I'd got a long line of like um, a long oxygen tether following me out to where i was going after a while putting down the next section of the tether like the game would just freeze for a second and then put it down um and there was a few framing issues and and whatnot but it's kind of i don't think that's anything to do with the the hardware more to do with the fact that it's it's you know it's not long gone into 1.0 and it's still still working on optimizing that stuff i guess um I, I haven't seen the documentary. Is it quite a small team that made it, I take it? Uh, it started out as three or four people, and I think now they've ramped up to about 20, so it, it's still a very small team, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very cool little game. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Speaking of cool little games, I played some more Bomber Crew, um, which is a game that I played a shitload of last year uh, and then fell off for a while. Uh, Bomber Crew, um, for anyone who doesn't know, we've got a video up on YouTube channel which you can go and check out um, what it looks like. But it's basically like FTL, but you're controlling the crew of a Lancaster bomber in World War II. You're, let's say you've got like a radio guy who will call out uh, navigation points. You highlight those navigation points and then your pilot will navigate to that point. You've got, you have to target the enemy fighters for your gunners to take out. You have to tell your engineer to go all over the place to fix various bits in the plane because stuff will break down all the time. Um, you have to target and then like tell your uh, your bomber to actually drop the bombs when you hit the targets or take reconnaissance photos or whatever. It's all done. It's all in very like cutesy uh, graphic style, um, but it's really really engaging. And you will lose crew members, uh, and you will quite possibly also lose your plane and all of your crew. And then you kind of have to start over again from scratch um not not like from the very beginning you'll get like a plane which is not quite as good as the level that you'd upgraded the previous one to and you'll have crew members that are not quite as good as the ones that you'd leveled up uh, previous to them dying um but yeah it's it's really really frantic in places like so the other night um when i was playing it uh i was on the way back from a bombing run and then got got jumped by um a squadron of enemy fighters um and i hadn't seen them uh, on the i hadn't seen the comp on the radar because the um the, the person manning the radar point had been recovering the first aid bay on the plane so they come back and sit down like oh shit we've got bombers coming uh, like fighters coming in uh, and at that point i was running on one engine um and it ended up with uh like two of my gunners trying to take out these fighters whilst the radio guy was stopping one of the other gunners from bleeding out and the engineer was on the wing of the plane trying to fix one of the engines before the one remaining engine died uh and the pilot pulling off like crazy evasive maneuvers and you're having to order all of this like as quickly as you possibly can Uh, and imagine it's quite easy on a pc with a mouse but i was playing on the switch um 
and I after a while like the controls they're not that intuitive but after a while it kind of becomes muscle memory but it's still not as fast as being able to click around the mouse and so it becomes really really frantic and, and hectic and oddly hilarious as well uh it's a really really cool little game by um uh runner duck i think those was the name of the studio um put out by curve digital uh it's on it's on game pass on xbox so if you're a game pass you can go and play it carl <laughs> i've never heard of it um you never heard of it no it's called bomber crew it's really really good if you liked oh. ftl you'll like it yeah i might have to try that out there because ftl was pretty great yeah um and the only other game i've really been playing is anthem uh and i've never I, heard of it uh, never heard of it no <laughs> uh yeah i've been playing anthem i've been playing a lot of anthem um uh, i put out a video uh well by the time this episode comes out you'll be able to see a video up on the youtube channel with my sort of lukewarm defense of of this game because it's got issues um but i I don't think it has any more issues than The Division had when it launched, or Destiny had when it launched, or Diablo 3 had when it launched. But I think because it's Bioware, people had higher expectations. Even though this is not the sort of game that Bioware have ever made before. So, um, it, I don't know. It's kind of hard. There's been a lot of, like, a lot of anger and bile spat at this game on the internet um people jumping on the bandwagon and and sort of ragging on it for because everybody's doing it uh and there are uh, there's a lot of things that are wrong with the game there's a lot of problems uh technical issues um right up to apparently it causing some people's ps4s to brick uh which is (laughs) really really worrying um the worst i've had is crash into the dashboard on the xbox um the uh story is it's i i think the story is really entertaining uh and the the, the character are really engaging and the characters are, are are great and aside from one very minor side character in a side story all been excellently voice acted uh but the story itself is a little bit disjointed in places it starts off in a weird place and some of the key moments feel like they should have had more impact if um, the characters involved in them had had more time to develop uh, and your relationship with those characters had more time to develop. Um, it feels like there's stuff missing, um, which could be the case. I don't know. Uh, I would love to see a documentary about the development of this game and what happened uh, because it feels like, kind of like with destiny one like it was rebooted possibly not that long ago uh and they've cobbled together what they could from what was what was what was left of the original idea possibly uh or you could take the cynical view that maybe ea have cut it up so they can sell bits to you later on which is also a possibility um but the main aspects of the game, the actual like core gameplay loop of like uh, flying around in your javelin, the the combat, like the shooting is, I'd say, on a par with the division. So not amazing, but functional. Um, but it's got the the um, all of the javelins have play very differently and have very unique abilities. And there's like the the combo system of 
uh, like primers and detonators so like priming enemies and then using a detonator to cause a, a combo uh, elemental explosion uh, and all of that stuff is really really good and the mission structure whilst kind of do you remember kind of like in the original destiny how many missions there were where it was like go to this point scan it with your ghost and like defend the point whilst your ghost scanned it yeah, probably about sixty percent of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's a similar sort of thing where it's like go to a point and you have to stand within a radius of a thing, mm. like a, a lot of that stuff. But I, I haven't found that too much of a problem because like the actual, I've been enjoying the gameplay. Um, and then like the actual end game loot grind, um, which is what I've gotten onto. Like I saw the credits roll a few days ago, and so now I'm into the end game stuff. And while there's not a huge amount of end game content, kind of like there wasn't in Destiny at launch, and how there wasn't in the Division at launch, like I've found it like really engaging. Like I find myself quite hooked on it, um, in a way that I didn't get with the Division. Like I haven't been this hooked on a on a looter shooter since. Um, since destiny i really really want to see where this game goes uh over the course of like the next year or so um there's a roadmap with a lot of details about where bioware want to take the game like what their stuff they've got planned coming up um and they're being very active in communicating with the community there was a great thread on the anthem um subreddit the other day where a developer from blizzard uh, who work who's worked on Diablo games uh, went in and said like here's what I think are the problems with with Anthem and here's how I think you can fix them and then members of the the, the Anthem team were there in the thread being like like thanks for doing this we'll take this on board we'll feed it back to the people and so they're like they're very very actively trying to sort out the problems that the game has my only worry is that in EA are very trigger happy and they may not let them do that might not give them enough time I mean, when uh, Mass Effect Andromeda came out and it was a disappointment, uh, they just canned any plans for DLC and shelved the entire franchise and turned that studio into a support studio. Uh, And that's the sort of thing that EA are quite happy to do at the drop of a hat. Uh, So I'm hoping that they'll support Anthem, but the only problem is that it exists at the same time as Apex Legends, which is, you know, which ha- they didn't spend any money on marketing. They probably didn't spend that much money on developing and has 50 million players. Um, so I don't know. I'm a bit worried. 50 million players can be quite misleading, though. Like a lot of people, it doesn't mean that 50 million have stuck with it. No. Like it's one of those strange terms, isn't it? No, but like if, if, if even it with like a low. Um, you know, a reasonably low like attach rate and a low number of people spending money on microtransactions. That's still going to be a shit ton of yeah. money, like um, enough to 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 make EA happy at least with that. Um, so I don't know, which is weird given the Titanfall two issue, right? Well, they just sent that out to die. Yeah, they did, and then they talked about how they were disappointed about how it like how it had done. It's like, well. You- sent it out a week after battlefield one see what's interesting and not is... only that it was a week be- it was also a week before call of duty yeah. <laughs> yeah from what i've heard respawn requested that release date it wasn't EA. really respawn requested it 
Hmm. And they also requested the Titan, the Apex Legends release date as well. Weird. Yeah, I heard. I've heard different things about the the Titanfall two, where it was, um, you either release now or like you wait, like it was into like the new year and you don't get paid, kind of thing. Mm. And it was like, well, you've got to release because you got to pay your staff. Yeah. So I mean, I've heard. I've, there's there's various different things out but um yeah there, there was the story that they did choose that window there's also uh, other stories that have come out since that don't necessarily back that so i think a lot of it is um probably being quite professional and staying quiet about it yeah but there's there's no way a studio comes out in the best of knowledge and goes do you know what we want that slot right between battlefield and call of duty because like it doesn't matter what game you are you could be you could be half-life 3 that will impact your sales. Yeah. Especially when EA had been marketing Battlefield 1 as heavily as they had been. Um, yeah. For, to say, like, oh, yeah, we'll come out a week after. It'll be fine. Um, which is a shame because out of those three games that came out in those those, uh, those three weeks, Titanfall 2 is by far the best one. Um, still one of the best shooters on this generation of consoles. Um, oh, outstanding game. Brilliant, yeah. One of the one of the best uh, and most original like campaigns in a first person shooter. Um, it's up there with with Doom twenty sixteen as well. Was it was it twenty sixteen Doom came out? Whatever year. It came yes. Out. Um, uh, I, yeah. I, speaking of that, like, I wonder if um, Anthem coming out now was coming from uh, was a pressure being applied from above from the ea hierarchy because the game does not feel fully finished like uh especially from a technical perspective i know this is now like the second game in a row that bioware have put out that's had major technical issues but like just a lack of polish that you don't expect from bioware uh, and I wonder if they were made to put the game out now before the end of the financial year rather than, you know, leave it a little longer and put out a slightly more polished, slightly more finished product. I don't know. It's possible. But, I mean, the the thing when you look at uh, Andromeda, for example, that was a slightly different team. Like, Bioware yes. always worked with two teams, didn't they? They worked with the Mass Effect team and the Dragon Age team. Mm. And it was always, like, the Mass Effect team was more technically savvy, but the Dragon Age team with a better set of writers was generally the, the consensus about that. But apparently it was a third team was the one that was heavily involved in Andro- uh, in Andromeda and mm-hmm. then there was um, the people that were leading it were kind of not that experienced at leading that kind of project. Mm. And then now we've got something like Anthem. And the problem is when you've got a game that was like, as good as Dragon Age and as good as Mass Effect, as good as Mass Effect 2... We're going back quite a period of time, and what you've got is something that's quite similar to the um, Bungie effect, where a lot of key members of that team mm-hmm. are no longer there, so that influence isn't actually felt. But Casey you Hudson know, came the, back. The origins are, yeah, but you, you know, sometimes you lose that chemistry with your team. Mm-hmm. It's not just one person either. So, um, I mean, the Bungie is obviously prior to Destiny coming out, and then way prior to Destiny too their star members of their team left and you could absolutely tell the difference like even not just the product and the game but the way that it dealt with the community and the external mm-hmm. and the support and you know all, all these kinds of things do have an impact we saw the same when cliff blazinski left the gears of war franchise you know um 
certain personalities help. Casey Hudson's a big deal, mm-hmm. but is he the only one? Who else left? We don't know. These these things do have an impact. You know, Mass Effect Three had a different uh, writer than Mass Effect One and Two, mm. so of course it felt different. It only takes a small change in the ingredients for something to come off feeling massive, uh, massively different. And then, like you said earlier, Anthem is an entirely different kind of game to the games that Bioware have done in the past. Mm-hmm. So then you've got to ask, why would you get Bioware to make that game? Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know, like, uh, people from Bioware have come out and said, like, they, they were not under pressure from EA to make this sort of game. It's the sort of game they wanted to make, but of course that is what they're going to say. Studio's not going to throw their parent publisher, or owner in this case, under the bus in any sort of way, uh, or vice versa. Um, so uh, we'll never know. Um, I will say that, this game has better writing and uh, a better story than than uh, you know Diablo or the Division or Destiny did, um, but that's quite a low bar. Uh, yeah, <laughs> compared to uh, other Bioware games, the story is just not up to scratch. Like I enjoyed it, but it's it's not what I've come to this game for. The fact that the story is competent is you know, it's, it's it's a pleasant surprise in this sort of game. Um, but it's if you, but I've, it's kind of weird. I've, I've been looking at it as what it is—a loot shooter, not as a Bioware RPG. Um, it's strange, isn't it? Because yeah. if I'm coming to a if I'm coming to a Bioware game, you better believe that the one thing that I require more than anything else is writing. I don't mm. don't I don't care about the visual flair, the new kind of thing, the playing with your friends, this new kinds of shooting mechanic mm-hmm. that fundamentally i want the writing yeah and that, that's like that's what you get bioware for that you know you get id if you want good shooting mm-hmm. you know you don't suddenly go we've got an rpg let's get id to do it yeah like it, it's stupid like you all studios and i know you get this thing where studios want to go and make the game they want to make and do you know what it's brilliant when it works out but you know the ones that work out we hear a lot about mm-hmm. because we're sick of hearing about all the ones that don't because so many of them don't. And, you know, as horrible as it is, a lot of the time <laughs> developers need to be told what to make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, they're still working on a uh, dragon age as far as we're aware. Like they showed a splash screen a while ago and that's about, as, that's about it. We st- no, no, we, there was a very short trailer that showed absolutely nothing. Um, so they're working on another yeah. dragon age. Um, um, the Mass Effect franchise is probably going to be on hold for a, a long while, and I don't think they'll ever make another Knights of the Old Republic, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, Anthem is in a weird place. It's nowhere near as bad as the general consensus would have you believe. It's just if you go into it expecting it to be. You know, you know, expecting to have another expansive, story-driven RPG is absolutely not going to be that at all. But if you go in looking for a, you know, a fun loot shooter with a, with a, you know, a, a decent like grind uh, and some good fun, a good fun gameplay loop, um, then you'll be pleasantly surprised. I think. 
I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I suppose the question at that point is, do you go for Anthem, which is in its infancy, or Mm -hmm. do you go with something like Destiny 2, which is a little bit more established, or the Division 2, which is potentially going to be a bit bit of both, you know, because it's already got the original behind it, so Mm -hmm. there's lessons to be learned, although looking at Destiny 2, lessons aren't always learned, Um, but there's no shortage of alternates. No, yeah, I mean, like, uh, there's Warframe as well, um, which just goes from strength to strength and is free. Uh, and Destiny 2, by all accounts, is in the, the, the best place it's ever been, like, even more so than it was when Forsaken launched. Like, I haven't played it in, in uh, about a month or so, but uh, I saw the trailer for the new, like, Season of the Drifter, and it's making me want to come back. Um, and, yeah, The Division 2 is coming out soon, and although the, the first game had struggled at launch, uh, Ubisoft uh, and uh, it was Ubisoft Massive, wasn't it? Like they they learned a lot of lessons, yeah. and they made a lot of changes and dramatically changed that turn that game around, turn that, the, the game's fortunes around, and turned it into a really really good game. Uh, and so they've got with the benefit of everything they've learned, they've got a decent base to build on for the Division Two. I'm still not sold on that the change of um, setting. I, I liked gloomy, dark snowy new york yeah it's it's the snow that did it for me mm. in new york i'll be honest yeah I, I don't really i'm not digging the the new setting but um uh from what i've seen from when i played the open beta it was kind of like um a bit more like a bit more time has passed uh and so like nature started to reclaim the city and um i don't know it could yeah it'll probably be good as well but in uh, for the meantime i'm i'm thoroughly enjoying anthem uh i picked it up like dirt cheap um within a week of it coming out so it'll probably be even cheaper soon um and there's a year's worth of free content hopefully if we let them put it out um so i don't know it's worth a look it's worth a look if you've got ea access then you can play 10 hours for free anyway so give it a try you might like it but yeah that's all i've been playing we don't really need to talk about apex legends we've already kind of touched on that so i'll just wrap it up there's, yeah, yeah, no point talking about something that shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good game, man. Come on, I, I know you don't like it, but uh, it's—I don't know—I I prefer it to Blackout. Do you know what? I, th- I think I think it's a poor man's Blackout. It's, I feel like it just feels really unpolished in a lot of ways. But I'm glad that a lot of people do like it, and I'm really glad for the studio. Would well, you know? So, what I, I, you know I I like about it more than Blackout is Blackout is. Um, of those like of the the more traditional style battle royale games like in the same sort of arena as like PUBG it's the best one of those by far like when i tried to go back and play PUBG after playing some blackout like it just felt awful the shooting feels awful the movement yeah. feels awful it's like because you know it's, it's polish yes it? that polish and it's like how tight i've like years and years of putting out a call of duty game every year they've got their shooting so tight what I like about Apex Legends is that it 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 uh, sort of promotes and rewards being aggressive, like and actually not hiding in a bathroom, like not like hiding behind a piece of um, a scenery and hoping to pick people off. Like it like encourages you to to use the tool sets that the characters have to go in and like mm. get in a fight, get in the other team's yeah. faces. I'd um, I'd go with that, yeah. but I mean one of one of the things that I've used against it is that I prefer blackout because it feels more tactical which you know it does um and I, I, that's what i'm looking for in that kind mm. of game i want to feel like i'm surviving not thriving 
Um, and, you know, I have games, I play Blackout quite aggressively, uh, personally, and I, I do quite well in it. But something <laughs> like Apex, I feel no connection to the victory. I feel like they always feel like hollow victories. There's not many people in there in the first place. I don't like the controls. Stuff like the pinging system is great. The auto-attach is great, but that's come to Blackout now anyway. Um, you know, I just... I feel like the characters have little personality and the guns have even less. Um, oh, they're the Titanfall guns, not, man. The Titanfall guns are great. But they feel good in Titanfall when you're jumping around off walls and wall running <laughs> huge distances and double jumping. And it just, you know, I, I feel like it feels great in that quick gameplay, mm-hmm. but Apex Legends isn't that quick gameplay. And as a result, the guns just feel a bit, I don't know, naff. They've got no personality, no real great feeling. There's not a gun in Apex Legends, that I love to use. I'll use the Wingman because it's the best of the ones that are in there, but there's nothing that I love to use. Whereas uh, in in alternative games, I'll rush for certain guns in Blackout because I know I really like them, like the Outlaw or the uh, the SWAT, for example. I, I think in the not-too-distant future, we'll probably get another map on Apex Legends which will have the wall running and whatnot in. I hope so. Like, I really hope because I I love Titanfall. Mm-hmm. I love Titanfall is one of the all time greatest multiplayer games. Titanfall Two is a fantastic single player game, and with that kind of history, I should love Apex Legends. But for me, I don't get that connection. Mm-hmm. You know, the speed and the aggression and the wall running and the double jumping of Titanfall is incredible, mm-hmm. but it's just not there in Apex Legends. What I do think you'll get is the next legend that gets released. I'll be shocked if they don't have the smart pistol as their ultimate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll, that'll be in there at some point for sure. But I, I'm glad people love Apex Legends because mm. that studio have made two of my favorite games of the last decade. So, yeah. you know, the fact that I don't click with Apex Legends, I'll play Blackout. You know, I'll play Apex Legends with friends. I genuinely don't like it that much, but I am so glad that it is doing well and it's, you know, that, that studio is getting some recognition. And some point next month, um, whenever the the Star Wars celebration is, why is that not in May? Why is the, why does the Star Wars celebration not start on May the fourth? Why is it in April? I don't, don't know. Anyway, um, we get to see Respawn's other new game, um, which I can't remember the name of now, but it's a Star Wars game. Yeah, I mean, I'd be excited if Star Wars wasn't. Shit. Well, look, it's no Star Trek, but it's not exactly. Shit. Anyway. Let's draw this. <laughs> let's draw this. Yeah, it's not exactly shit, It's just okay. <laughs> All right, let's draw this show to a close. Carl, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, I'm regularly on Kane and Rince. Um, we are in our, God, eighth year now, I want to say. I want it feels to... so much longer. Yeah, we're in, our, we're in season eight. We started in, yeah, we started in 2011. Um, we're over 350 episodes, over 3.3 million downloads. Um, yeah, things have gone huge for us recently, I guess, mm. and um, it's great. And and what we do there is we cover one game in depth every single week um, from any point in history. We don't cover games that are six months or less old, and it's very rare that they'll be within a year, as Mark mentioned earlier. A couple of years ago, we did uh, Soul Reaver. Um, as an example, uh, I think last season we covered Tetris, um so there is a huge variety of stuff there so hopefully in that list if anyone wants to listen to that mm. they can go and um uh, find an episode for a game that they actually really like um we're not saying that we will but you know we we try to stay away from hyperbole and have an honest 
yeah, book club style discussion around it. Um, we also have a sister podcast full of video game music called Sound of Play, um, which again that releases every week. Uh, where we you know play a variety of songs and that's fantastic that's a a lot more laid back and easily chilled than than the standard cane rinse podcast Um, and we've also just brought in uh, two new podcasts into our stable in playwright which is where people come on and they come up with concepts for games on the show Um, and also chris the fantastic chris o'regan's come in with his sausage factory podcast where he speaks with developers um and each one of these releases every single week uh on a different day of the week so yeah well, we're doing really well over in cane and rinse and i'm i'm obviously over there regularly so uh, mm. if you want to listen to me ramble on even more than i have in this episode uh then please come over and listen to some episodes of cane and rinse it's fantastic i uh i don't listen as much as i should um i tend to to zero in on the episodes about games that i'm interested in um yeah which, to be fair, is most of them. Uh, but there's still the odd episode that I'm like, I don't want to listen to that because I haven't played it yet and uh, I'm worried about potential yeah, spoilers exactly. and whatnot. And, uh, but yeah, it, it is like, a, yeah, it's basically like a... Like it's, the book club is a very good description of it. It's a yeah deep dive, a weekly deep dive on a, on a new video game, and it, they're always really good discussions. They put together good panels. Um, one of them stands out above uh, others. Speaking of which, when are you going to do another uh, Legacy of Kane? <laughs> Not in volume eight. No. Okay. The uh, volume eight list is already out and confirmed. Okay. So that's us for the rest of 2019, potentially 2020, but I can make no promises. I expect to be asked back for um, yeah for uh, Blood Omen, Blood Omen Two, Soul Reaver Two, Legacy of Kane Defiance. Of course, it was an no, it was an absolute pleasure to be on there, a, a pleasure and a, and a privilege, and I I was very much out of my depth, but I I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Nah, nonsense, you were excellent. <laughs> oh, thank you. Where can people find us, Nick? Where can people find us? They can find us at Lapsed Gamer Radio on Twitter and Facebook and various other social media platforms uh or if i think it's just those is two it just those two um we've not hit instagram yet or no no no, no, uh, no. or they, not on snapchat yeah, uh or you can uh read some writings that we do sometimes over at lapsedgamer.com and that is pretty much it i think we've got a youtube channel that um YouTube. yeah yeah, yeah. Just go and search Last Gamer Radio on on YouTube, and you'll find our, uh, yeah, our ramblings on there. Go and watch the video I put up trying to defend Anthem, not particularly enthusiastically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, if you want to drop us an email, then you can do that at lapsgamerradio at gmail dot com. Uh, yeah, I think that's any that's everything. No, no, anyone got any other business? Nope. No. All right. Well, until next week. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>